this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. DIY and How Studios presents Real Rock with Andy King, part of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. Amps go up to 10. Exactly. Does that mean it's louder? Is it any louder? Well, it's one louder, isn't it? Music. Culture. Technology. And rock and roll. Now, on with the show. Hey folks, Christian Swain here. I'd like to talk a bit about our project and about you. The Rock and Roll Archaeology Project is currently four podcasts. Our main show, we think of it as a Rock and Roll 101, we will eventually do about 30 of these scripted, carefully researched audio documentaries. And we have the Rock and Roll Librarian, where Shelley Sorensen and I have lively, fun discussions about books that rock. The discussions continue with Rock Talk, a weekly survey of rock and roll news with my co-host, Peter Ferrioli. And we just rolled out Deeper Digs in Rock, single-topic shows, interviews, and field trips. All we want to do now is more of it more often. And that's where you come in. Our shows will always be free. That's our promise to you. If you truly enjoy it, if you can't wait for that next episode, well, won't you please make a modest monthly donation via Patreon. Just click the Patreon link right at the top of our webpage, rockandrollarchaeology.com, and take it from there. Thank you, and keep up the rockin'. I saw a film today. Oh, boy. And we're going to be discussing the 1978 atrocity that is Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band starring Peter Frampton, the Bee Gees, and a veritable who's who of late 70s celebrities. I will be reviewing various points of the movie, so consider this your spoiler warning. It is available for rent or to own on Amazon and Vudu, so go check it out and come back for the history lesson. Some of the questions we will be answering are, who is to blame for this? Can I successfully review a movie from a gentleman's club? Why would I? Buckle up, diggers. This one's gonna get weird. I'm Andy King, host of Real Rock, and for better or worse, this is Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. In 1974, Tom O'Horgan conceived and directed the off-Broadway musical Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band on the Road. Now, I've never seen the musical. It only ran for 66 performances, but notably John Lennon did see it. 
He was reportedly at a few rehearsals and even made it to opening night. The producer of the musical, Robert Stigwood, had purchased the rights to 29 Beatles songs, and with the musical now a bust, Stigwood brought in Henry Edwards to write a script around the songs. Edwards, admittedly, had never written a script before, and anyone who watches this film, admittedly, can tell. Stigwood wanted a grand, extravagant musical to harken back to the old MGM heyday. Somehow, he got George Martin to act as a composer, arranger, and producer to this film's soundtrack. Blackmail? Maybe. Just kidding. They offered him seven trucks full of money. With all the pieces in place, Stigwood then gathered the four horsemen of mediocrity, Barry, Robin, and Maurice Gibb, otherwise known as the Bee Gees, and Peter Frampton, to make this movie. I, I kid. They're all talented people. I just never listened to one of their albums intentionally. Okay, well, a good trick is to pump to the tune of Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. Do you know that song? Yes, yes, I do. I love that song. <clears throat> First I was afraid, I was petrified. No, it's... Ah, 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 Staying Alive. Okay. At the start of the film, we are given the backstory of the original Sgt. Pepper's band. They used their melodies to cheer up Allied troops, effectively winning World War I, winning Sgt. Pepper the Golden Eagle Award in the process. When the band gets back to their hometown, Heartland, the band used their tunes to help Heartland through the Depression and World War II before Sgt. Pepper dies in 1958. He leaves the band's magical instruments to the town because humanity will live happily ever after as long as the instruments remain in Heartland. He leaves his Golden Eagle Award and his musical legacy to his grandson, Billy Shears, played here by Peter Frampton. What would you think if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song and I'll try. The great George Burns plays Mr. Kite, the mayor of Heartland, and he provides the narration for the story as well as the only non-musical dialogue in the entire movie. This is done for a reason. The Bee Gees, who play Billy's bandmates Mark, Dave, and Bob Henderson, have very pronounced Australian accents, and Peter Frampton has a very British accent. Heartland is in America, so this wouldn't have worked, because the actors' accents would disrupt the shocking realism of the rest of the film. After the new band debuts in Heartland, they are an immediate success in the town, and soon they receive a telegram from Big Deal Records asking for a demo tape and promising success. But things aren't all rainbows and lollipops. The town's weather vane picks up on a strange signal. The arrival of mean Mr. Mustard, played by Frankie Howard. Mr. Mustard is being controlled by the mysterious FVB, who reminds him, We hate love. We hate joy. We love money. At this point in the film, I'm kind of expecting the FVB to be the band Kiss, because I'm pretty sure We Hate Love, We Hate Joy, We Love Money is on the Gene Simmons family crest. But I digress. Back in Hollywood, Big Deal Records head honcho B.D. Hoffler, played by Donald Pleasance, hears the demo and prepares to offer the boys a deal. After a long night in the hayloft between Billy and his girlfriend Strawberry Fields, played by Sandy Farina, the boys head off to Hollywood. B.D. and his assistant Lucy, played by Diane Steinberg, pick up the boys in a stretch El Camino and the band is immediately tempted by all the drugs and liquor and sex. Once they are appropriately blitzed, they sign the record deal and begin recording the next day. 
As the band gains immediate superstardom, BD gets Lucy and her backup band, The Diamonds, played by funk band Starguard, to control them with their evil vaginas. There is an obvious Yoko joke to be made here, but I'm not going there. Too much class. Back in Heartland, Mustard steals the instruments and the town devolves into a psychedelic yet still somehow wholesome Sodom and Gomorrah. Strawberry takes off for Billy and Mustard is alerted by his robot singing She's Leaving Home. This moment got the loudest WTF out of me and it is surreal how truly weird it is. When Strawberry arrives in Hollywood, after seeing the billboards come to life, she is immediately jealous of the relationship of Billy and Lucy. She tells the boys about the instruments just as Mustard arrives and the boys attack to get the instruments back. They find that the first instrument is in the care of the evil Dr. Maxwell, played by Steve Martin. I honestly couldn't tell if his performance here is great or utter shit, but it's definitely something. Next, they go to Father Son, played by Alice Cooper, to get back the tuba. When Alice was recording his cover of Because for the soundtrack, he tried his best to mimic John Lennon's original performance. George Martin said, that's great, now let's hear how Alice would do it. And the end result is actually alright. Alice's voice makes the song delightfully creepy. It should also be noted that Alice had checked into a rehab facility prior to shooting and was granted a leave to perform in this film. As this is going on, BD, Dougie, and Lucy plan for a benefit concert to help Heartland, which they then can exploit. During the concert, the proceeds are stolen by the bad guys, and they try to escape in a van, kidnapping Strawberry in the process. Not to be outdone, the Sgt. Pepper's band assembles and chases the van in a, wait for it, fucking hot air balloon. The FVB is revealed, and it's not Kiss. Aerosmith. It was actually supposed to be Kiss, but they dropped out to focus on their own masterpiece, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. I know, you're shocked. Someone focused on Kiss Meets Phantom of the Park. Aerosmith does submit a great cover of Come Together, which is still constantly played by classic rock stations.
Hendersons and Billy fight Steven Tyler to the death, but unfortunately, Strawberry dies in the process. There was a little controversy to this scene, too. Steven Tyler didn't want to be killed by Peter Frampton, and apparently it wasn't written in the script that way. You are literally in a movie with singing robots, and you're worried that people will think you're some kind of beta for getting killed by Frampton? Okay. Back in Heartland, we go to Strawberry's funeral. In a sad note of trivia, Frampton made himself cry in this scene by thinking about the recent plane crash of Leonard Skinner. After the funeral, Billy wanders around the town depressed and attempts suicide by jumping off of a building. As he falls, the town weather vane springs to life as Billy Preston and saves Billy's shears while also curing him of his depression. The weather vane turned into Billy Preston. Who the fuck wrote this movie? But magical ass Billy Preston isn't done yet. He proceeds to turn the bad guys into various religious people and bring strawberry fields back to life. The town is then overrun by hordes of celebrities who try to recreate the iconic Beatles album cover. They don't really do that good of a job. The film's plot is absolutely batshit insane and really felt like an advertisement for the soundtrack. If it was, boy did it ever backfire. The soundtrack was released before the movie and originally debuted at number 5, but after the movie, the sales tanked. This record has the distinction of being the first album to be return platinum, meaning over 4 million copies were shipped back to the distributor. But in truth, there are a few golden nuggets on the record. The Aerosmith and Alice Cooper covers are good, but the shining light is the Earth, Wind, and Fire cover of Got to Get You Into My Life, which is awesome. Partly through compiling this episode for you guys, I thought I was being a bit harsh of the film. I legitimately cringed every time I saw the Bee Gees, but then I found this quote from Robin Gibb that made me feel better. Uh, He said this before the release of the film, quote, There is no such thing as the Beatles now. They don't exist as a band, and they never performed Sgt. Pepper's live in any case. When ours comes out, it will be in effect as if theirs never existed, end quote. Well, let me jump up on my soapbox here. Fuck you, pal. Since they decided to make this mockery of a film, I decided to make a mockery of the review, so here we go. Woke up, fell out of bed. Dragged a comb across my head Found my way downstairs and drank a cup Looking up, I noticed I was late Found my coat, I grabbed my hat Made the bus in seconds flat Found my way upstairs and had a smoke Somebody spoke and I went into a dream As the credits rolled, I sunk into an introspective despair. Perhaps somewhat inspired by Billy, I wandered the city streets consumed by my own critical melancholy. I found myself staring up at the tops of buildings looking for a weather vane that could turn into a rock legend and zap my depression away. If I legitimately don't like the songs, was it because I don't like the Beatles? 
I love Steve Martin, but not so much here. I absolutely adore Alice Cooper, yet I find myself a little indifferent about his performance. No. No, 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 no. In the words of every ex-lover I have ever had, it's not me, it's you. This film is crass, exploitative, cheesy. It's supposed to be fun, but in reality it's awkward as hell. These are the exact same thoughts I have about gentlemen's clubs or strip clubs or whatever you want to call them. Immediately upon having this thought, I passed by my neighborhood club, the Raging Peacock, and for the first time in my life I stepped foot inside the club to get a film review from one of the performers. Yep. I did a film review with an exotic dancer from the champagne room. Here you go. Hey diggers, I'm outside here at the uh, Raging Peacock. I'm about to walk into the lobby for, I'm uh, pretty sure it's a podcast first. I'm going to try and get a uh, movie review from the exotic dancer while on the job. Uh, it's going to cost me some money, I'm sure, but this uh, this should be fun. Uh, hi there. Hi. Uh, you know you can't record in here. Oh no, it's it's fine. I, I actually I called the manager and uh, he said it he said it was cool. Um, my name's Andy. I'm with the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. I uh, host a show called Real Rock. Okay, you're that guy. Okay, yeah. Okay. So, so what's your name? Cherry. Hi, hi, Cherry. So what what we want to do is I have this movie on my tablet and I want to pay you for your time to watch this movie and then just tell me you know what you think of it. What type of movie? Uh, it's a wholesome movie. It's a, uh, it's okay. It's a musical uh, called Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and it's based on the music of the Beatles. And it stars the Bee Gees and uh, Peter Frampton. Like it's 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 a decent movie. Um, I mean it's it's really weird, but like in a wholesome weird way. Like you can show it to your mom. Do you want me to dance while we're watching this movie? No, or? no, 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 nothing like that. No, ma'am. Uh, we just uh, I just want you to you know watch the movie and then. Tell me what you think about it. Are you comfortable with the amount of clothes I have on right now? Yeah, I mean, it. I mean, it seems chilly. If you wanted to put more clothes on, I'm fine. I don't. I don't. I don't care. I'm. I'm. I'm just here for your opinions today. Um, my manager said we could use his office. It's pretty quiet back there. It's almost soundproof, so he doesn't hear the music and get work done. But I am gonna leave the door open. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Okay. Whatever. Hey, whatever you're comfortable with. I just appreciate you doing this. All right. If at any time I don't like the movie or I'm going to leave. Yeah, yeah. No, if you're, if you're uncomfortable at all, you know, you just, you let me know and, and we'll chalk it up to, like, we just learned. And you're not allowed to touch me. No, no, no. Absolutely not. Okay. No, I have personal space issues anyway, so. Good. All right, cool. Uh, so, uh, let's, I'm going to cut my recorder off right now and then uh, we'll negotiate however much money you think is fine for your time yeah i know my manager already touched on that but okay all right diggers i'm i'm back here with cherry we just watched the movie so so cherry what'd you think i actually kind of liked it uh i like the costumes i love the limo i would take a ride in that limo any day that's a stretch el camino i've never seen one but it looks so cool if i saw one i would hop in i really enjoyed your commentary during it did I say that right? Commentary? Yeah, yeah, no, it's it, yeah. it's it's kind of what I do. Yeah. You should listen to our show because it's basically just me making fun of things. I'm I'm gonna check it out, like for sure. Uh, I really enjoyed. You're funny. 
I don't know if anybody's ever told you that, but you're funny. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, get, I actually get told that um, a lot. Sure. So, um, so tell me, um, did you happen to recognize anybody that was in that movie? Yeah, I recognize the bad guy from the dollar sign. I've seen him before. That's not my type of music. The, the Hold on, the bad guy from the dollar sign? Yeah, the guy who died at the end. Oh, okay, that's Steven Tyler of Aerosmith. Yeah. That's I, who you're talking about. I've seen him before. Um, that music isn't the music I listen to, but I know my grandpa and my dad, I think, used to listen to them a lot, but it was pretty good. Have you ever heard, like, a proper Beatles song? Because all of these are, like, covers of Beatles songs, and they're not particularly good covers. I I've heard their songs in other movies before. Yeah, I mean, I never went out and, like, downloaded them or anything. You definitely should. Yeah, I think I will. I would start with maybe Abbey Road, Sgt. Pepper's, Revolver, Rubber Soul. You know, just, just download all of them and listen to them. It's only probably, like, like 10 hours. I think I can find time to do that at some point. Yeah, you totally should. Hey, I'm, I'm like a rock and roll evangelist. I like to go out and just tell people to listen to really good music. That's just kind of my thing. Okay. So I have a question because the, the part of the movie that just I noticed that got you the most was the, uh, the robots. Yeah, what was the deal about the robots and leather suits? I, I didn't get it. I... Honestly, I didn't either, because the, the first time I watched this movie, I went really audibly said, what the fuck, as loud as I could. <laughs> I think I heard you say that. <laughs> yeah, and this is like the fifth time I've watched this movie. Yeah. And it's still, what the fuck, is with the robots. Yeah, definitely. It was uh, interesting. It was like Wizard of Oz. Like, everybody had crack eyes. I was expecting some to pop out at any moment. Well, I'm... You know, I'm, I'm quite sure that there were uh, pounds of cocaine just floating around that set. <laughs> or something stronger. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably. So the whole reason I wanted to do this is because I've, I've, honest, I've honestly have never been a, a fan of Gentleman's Club. I've only probably been to two or three, and I was like basically with a party when I went. I've always kind of felt that the exotic dancer experience was a little crass and a little exploitative and a little a little cheesy and supposed to be fun but awkward i think you've been to the wrong strip clubs or with the wrong dancer because it's all fun it's just entertainment it's uh it's just good fun honestly that's all it is and i think you're missing the point of a strip club probably it's just not i don't, I don't know it's never been my scene so Again, I'm going to blame that on the clubs and the dancers you've been with before. Okay. Yeah. You can come back here and I can show you. No, um... It's kind of late tonight and I don't go on tonight, but I go on tomorrow night. Well, I'm, 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 I'm a really busy dude. I got this show to do, so... Well, you know where I am. I, I do. I know where you are now. I did have, I did have uh, one question. Uh, would you dance to any of the songs that are in this movie? Like, could you add those to your repertoire? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, probably not. I have certain moves I like to do, and I know the people who come see me, they like certain moves, which I don't think I could do that type of music. Um, but I'm willing to give it a shot. Well, what type, what type of music do you typically, like, dance to? Um, more 
poppy, uh, with more of a beat. You know, good pauses, good rolls. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna check out your podcasts and probably check out some of your, the music, you know. Just, if you could recommend some and write them down for me, I'll definitely listen, or we can listen sometime. Oh yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I actually don't live too far away from here. If you want to get a cup of coffee and maybe listen to some music, show me some good beats or whatever you want to call them. Oh, no, thank no, thank you. I I, I feel like that would be inappropriate because I have a, I have a wife and I don't want to I don't want to get shot in the head when I get home. So I appreciate the offer. But all right. Well, how about I make an offer that you and your wife can come by and see me sometime? Well, that's going to do it for us today, diggers. I want to thank Cherry uh, for your your opinions, and uh, you're very valued. Thank you, diggers. Yes, that's what diggers. we call our fans, is diggers. Why? Uh, because we're the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project, so we're constantly digging into the history of rock and roll. All right, well, you and your diggers are welcome to come by any time. Don't ever piss off your wife Fellas, don't ever piss off your wife You lose your penis You lose your penis The way I lost mine I was still unsatisfied. Cherry had some awesome points and her opinion was extremely valuable, but now I want to know, how can I make this film enjoyable? I hit the road to visit a longtime friend of mine in Colorado. Together, we found the movie slightly more enjoyable, but unfortunately, we got too distracted to record a decent review. Wow, that's heavy. Yeah, man. Looks like a radio station. Hey, what's it? The request lines are now open, KGFJ, so radio. <laughs> the true redeeming quality in this film is in its absolute absurdity. The unintentional comedy is hilarious, but if you hold the Beatles in a high regard that I do, it is really easy to dismiss this film as pure blasphemy. The Beatles themselves shun the film, and rightfully so. John and George didn't attend the premiere. Ringo and Paul did attend, but publicly denounced it. Years later, Peter Frampton found himself playing with Ringo's all-star band, and a reporter asked Ringo what he thought of Peter doing the movie. Ringo simply said, we don't talk about that. Peter's a bloody idiot. Smart guy, that Ringo. The current Rotten Tomatoes score is 15%, and that seems just about right. The official Real Rock rating is 1.5 out of 5. The film is supposed to be a celebration of the Sgt. Pepper's album and the Beatles. For an actual celebration, check out episode 14 of our main narrative and the Rock and Roll Librarian's take on George Martin's book with a little help from my friends. You can send your love and hate mail to me at realrockpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Andy King, and this has been Real Rock.
looking for ways to help right the wrongs of social injustice? Oxfam America works with people in more than 90 countries to save lives, develop long-term solutions to poverty, and campaign for social change. And we do it with the help of our friends in the music world. The Beatles were Oxfam supporters back in the day. So were the Stones. And through the years, musicians and music fans have helped Oxfam push hard to work for a just world without poverty. Folks like Radiohead, Coldplay, Pearl Jam, DJ Shadow, and many, many more have encouraged their fans to join the effort. You can too. Go to OxfamAmerica.org to learn how you can help. Real Rock is produced by DIY and House Studios and is a part of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. Real Rock is written by Andy King. All commentary and opinions are that of the host. All sound design and incidental music by Busy Signal Studios. Playlists can be found at Spotify. Purchase these great and important tracks. All songs, clips, and references can be found on our show notes. Please visit rockandrollarchaeology.com for more information.